What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Tracked a raccoon one time in the snow. I was in a, a neighborhood, and I was just curious where this raccoon lived, you know. Time now for... I hope there's Bigfoot. I don't think there is. The reason I don't think there is, because <clears throat> we found bones of dinosaurs and everything else, but we haven't found bones that I've heard of, of Bigfoot. Overreaction Monday! On Earth, they say, oh, well, we're the only ones. We're, I mean, really, why? Have you been to the other planets? Have you checked out the other planets? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome to the Overreaction Monday edition, Yahoo Sports College Pod. And it was a ton this weekend. Felt like the season really got cranking this year, this weekend with all of the assorted madness. Big games. The Georgia-Notre Dame game lived up to the billing. Then on another channel, you got a pretty good Texas-Oklahoma State game. You had stuff all day. Michigan falls apart. It was just a good day of college football, and I watched a lot of it. Nothing, though, is going to be more memorable, though, than this absolutely ridiculous and only in college football experience that went down out of Pullman, Washington on Saturday night. The rest of us wanted to go to bed. (laughs) We couldn't. I imagine everyone at the bars in, like, you know, California and stuff just couldn't stop watching it. Absolute mayhem. UCLA uh, wins the game. Let me give you a few details on this, though. Final score, UCLA 67, Washington State 63, okay? At one point in the middle of the third quarter, UCLA was trailing by 32 points. (laughs) Now, I started watching this game because of the race for the case, and I was about to have a good week. I was about to go four and two. I just needed Washington State to cover. You two were horrible. Pat, you went one and five. Thank you. Thanks for reminding me. two and four. So I was like, man, I am going to get a little, I'm going to, this is my week. (laughs) Washington State, so I'm watching them kind of root for Washington State. Yeah, I got something to go for. And they start, they start housing UCLA, and I'm like, all right, they're not going to. UCLA is just, they're not even covering their receivers. <laughs> the team looked horrible. And then, out of nowhere, the Bruins cannot stop scoring and Washington <laughs> State cannot stop fumbling. <laughs> All credit to the Bruins and Chip Kelly showed up at work. I've been wondering if he's even been working there. <laughs> I was all wrong. He just showed up three and a half games into the season, but it was worth it, Chip. 
This is so much better than if you had been there the whole time. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't watch the San Diego State game, so I don't care if you looked horrible. This was this was everything I wanted when Chip Kelly came back to football. Thank you. Sixty-seven points. Let me just give you this: a couple of the numerous. I can't wait for the, like the a couple of years. The Bruce Feldman like forty-three thousand word oral history of this game. <laughs> Take like a week on Nantucket to read this thing, it, and it deserves it. Quoting every strength coach on each oh, side. The guy holding the third down marker. You know, <laughs> the best. I love those Bruce Feldman. Where did you find these people? Okay, imagine scoring 67 points in a football game and converting just three third downs. UCLA, what's impossible? That's impossible. Insane. They also could have had 74, but they had a Hail Mary, a brilliant Hail Mary at the end of the first half stopped at the one yard line, which is like, I'm like, wow, that was an exciting play. That'll probably be the most exciting play of the game. Oh, the hell it was. (laughs) Yeah. Dan, you definitely like buried the Chip Kelly era somewhere early in the second quarter. It was like Ah. begging for old takes exposed. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to beat up on this team but they look they they there was one play i can't remember which td i'm sorry but there were only (laughs) 40 of them the washington state kid it was like at the three or four yard line and washington state's receiver just runs an up and an out i mean this is like third grade backyard football and the and the ucla guy just gives them three yard gap like he was waiting to get blown by him you're at the you're at the three yard line you can only run 13 (laughs) yards press no, bang, touch. I was like, UCLA's not even trying. They're like, text my girlfriend, see if she'll be up when I get back. When's this charter? We're going to get in and out burger. Well, you know, like, this is it. Anyway. But uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who did not look so good, then all of a sudden ends up 507 yards passing and five TDs, and he rushes for two more TDs. Talk about dual threat. They kept going, he was the best dual threat. QB in the country coming out. Oh, who the, it better be because who's the other guy, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was behind Justin Fields. They're pretty good. Yeah, unbelievable. He was number two. Oh, he wasn't number one. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, well, that- I don't know. I don't know whose rankings are what, but that was the way it was perceived. He was out of Gorman in Vegas, I believe. He was like yeah. the biggest recruit on the West Coast. It was a huge Sco- get for more at the time. Scouts got that one right. Anthony Gordon, though, for, oh. for Washington State, nine touchdown passes, nine, and he lost. 63, seven, nine touchdowns, nine times seven, 63. That's it. The punter punted twice. They didn't attempt a field goal, and they kicked. Uh, he kicked nine, uh, nine extra points. Not his fault. They also turned the ball over. Washington State turned the ball over six times. Yeah. And still scored 63 points. That's really hard to do. They would not hold the ball. No. Well, here's the most ridiculous thing about the whole game, if you ask me. A winless team that has looked terrible all season is on the road, losing to an undefeated team by 32 points and still wins. I guarantee that has never happened before in the history of football. I mean, that was a winless, hopeless team that all of a sudden scored 50 points in the second half after being absolutely run out of the stadium. And they gave up in the first half, but played hard in the second like, what? what is this? <laughs> like, they were not trying in the first half. Nine <laughs> touchdowns. Come on, man. All right, so Anthony Gordon, 
in one point in the third quarter, he has yacht. Oh, so he breaks Gardner Minshew's record, right? And 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 Gardner's not only there, he's on the sideline wearing jorts <laughs> and his mustache. And it's not just jorts. I don't know if you saw these things. Yeah, it I was saw. literally like he had tight blue jeans and he just cut the pants off. These are. <laughs> Scott That'd be like Van, if you lost a bet. You wait. We should make the loser of the race for the case wear those no, shorts. No, <laughs> that's too much. Too mean. Yeah, yeah. Every bro on the Palouse is going to be wearing those shorts. The oh, my ball. God. They're horrible. <laughs> Scott Van Pelt said he's wearing Daisy Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, the announcers in the middle of the third quarter, they wonder if Anthony Gordon is going to be pulled from the game for sportsmanship reasons and thus not have a chance to break the record in a game that they lost. Lost. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, perfectly reasonable question, too. Like, I, I, thought like, the oh, no. a, I thought the I announcers did a great job capturing the baddest of that. But there's no. Yeah, because I'm sitting there watching at a certain point being like, is he going to get to 10? Klingler has 11. Like. I got to write right. the takeaways column. It's like 215. I'm like, come on. You know? Yeah. Don't pull him. I was like, no, no. Pirate isn't going to pull him. He wants to run it up on those LA teams. He needs the LA recruits. Yeah. Unbelievable. Then there's this yeah. kid. I was uh, just, uh, um, Demetric Felton for UCLA is phenomenal. Holy cow. Three yeah. TDs. And then this Max Borgie kid from, yeah. fr- from, uh, uh, it's like, I, I was like, is that Julian Edelman that they got up there? Like he had 125 <laughs> yards rushing and a 65 yard TD pass. He looks small, but they can't, no one can tackle him. Just an unbelievable football game. You, Washington state at UCLA scored on a hundred yard kickoff return, a 69 yard punt return, a 94 yard pass and almost scored on a hail Mary. Like impossible. This is, this is what college football is. You're sitting there watching this completely. I mean, look, I guess Washington State still was technically in the race for the national title or something. But come on, right? You're watching. You have no ties to these teams. You don't care who wins. You're just watching. And then at the end, you're like, hope we get overtime. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, I turned the Rubicon pretty quick. I wanted this thing to end up like 96, 93. Like, well, at that point, you just like, why not? While we're here. Know? While we're here. Let's do this. Uh, it's just that, that to me is college football. At the best, yeah. and then the jokes on Twitter, and just the text messages coming in, knowing that your buddy's up watching this thing. Also, um, yes. just pure insanity of a college football game. Just great. You have one memory from it, Pete. Uh, I think like the thing I'll remember five years from now is that the dude threw nine touchdown passes and lost. <laughs> and lost. Like, like, yeah. like you can't like wrap your mind around that. Like, <laughs> if a dude throws four touchdown passes, the odds of him losing, like you know, these days it's better. But like nine touchdown passes, that's like a once a decade number. Right. He broke the Washington state record by two and all they do is pass for touchdowns. So I think that's like the one thing that I, I just could not wrap my, cause when he threw eight, it was like, wow. And then he threw nine. It was like, geez. So oh, I was like, we got to get 10. We got to get yeah. 10. Yeah. yeah. They would have, if they would have stopped fumbling, that's the thing. I like yeah. their last two plays of the game were both fumbles and they ended the game. They gave UCLA the chance to oh. score. And then they and then they bl- killed their own chances. I mean, gag job beyond belief for Washington State. I mean, it was beyond belief. Run terrible. the ball, give it to Borgie. Run the ball. You're like Kevin Sumlin in the Rose Bowl that night. They cost him his job. Yeah, I, I think- UCLA has two of the three biggest comebacks ever. No, yeah. really. What was the other? I the one think it's A and M. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that what Josh Rosen just a few years oh, ago. Oh right, right, right. He okay. covered that game. What's yeah. the biggest one? 
I think it was Michigan State, like against Northwestern. They're behind like yes. thirty-five to three or thirty-five yes. nothing or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Because yeah. I remember John being L. in the Rose John Bowl L. That Smith, night. baby. Yeah, being in the Rose Bowl that like frantically like looking up games from that like obscure <laughs> John L. Smith moment, <laughs> and actually being stunned that Michigan State scored that much because they'll go months without scoring thirty-five. Never mind yeah. the games. I just couldn't imagine why the Washington State receivers, after watching one of their guys get stripped and then another guy get stripped and then another, they're just carrying that ball around, like they're just waving it around. It was the same play uh, every time. They'd run past them. It was, I mean, it was, and and look, hey, you may be right. This you you may you were the one still believer. You're the la- last guy on the Chip Kelly bandwagon. It was just True. you. Yeah, and you held three you, forever, and maybe. <laughs> Maybe this is, I mean, they're like, this is a program changing win. They got them. I'm like, the other team gave them the game. I mean, I mean, it was great. And maybe this is, but this wasn't like they just all of a sudden everything clicked. It's like the other team kept fumbling, giving up a a, a hundred yard kickoff return and a 94 yard pass. Like you got better (laughs) athletes. That's what happens when you got, we'll see. We will see. That guy, you got to say this much. The, The great irony of, the decline of Pac-12 football as a national competitive entity has been completely countered by the fact that they have produced the most ridiculous string of bizarre late-night games that you can't stop watching over the last three, four, five years. And this one, this is the topper of all of them. But Pac-12 after dark is like the thing you have to see. Even if the teams aren't good, you know something insane is going to happen. It's sort of like watching the prom queen from high school, like disintegrate on Facebook over the years. <laughs> oh, wow. You feel bad for her, but you're like, oh, when you keep checking in. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's where the Pac-12 is now. Oh, Still gotta my watch. gosh. Everyone's talking about it, like at the class reunions. <laughs> watching the prom queen disintegrate on Facebook. Oh, my God. All right. There you go. Well, hello. All right, Pat, you were at the uh, the the hyped yeah. game of the week. Turned into like a disco tech down there. Ugh. LED lighting, yeah. like Georgia, really putting on a show. Fans were great. They caught. Ooh. I think it was seven seven offsides, seven false starts by Notre false Dame. False starts, yeah, Incredible. false starts. Never seen that many. Huge factor in the game. Unbelievable scene. Notre Dame came to play. Uh, I didn't love Georgia's game, but I Notre Dame played, and it was great at. Uh, halftime. I can't. I never remember the announcers' names, but who was doing that game? Was that uh, whoever was doing it? Gary Danielson was that it? Yeah, it was yeah. The CBS yeah. And crew. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, uh, they're like, they go, are you surprised? Donor names leading. He's like, yeah. Ten <laughs> seven. <laughs> Notre Dame played pretty good. Um, yeah. you know, good effort. No, hard to win that game. And so, you know, I think the narrative's a little bit like I think Pat, you said, you know, college football wins, Georgia wins, Notre Dame wins. My only complaint was, you know, I did not like the end of the game scenarios with um, really almost a lot of the game scenario with Kirby Smart. Jake Fromm is a beast. He that touchdown he threw to uh, Lawrence Cager, the, the 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 on third and long from like the 15, 16 yard. That was an absolute, you know, yeah. Pro Bowl throw. And I look at the stats, and this guy, you have got a great quarterback, and he threw for one hundred and eighty seven yards. Um, let them throw it. Um, totally bananas game too, though. Great ending. Uh, the whole thing. Notre Dame could have caved. They didn't. Uh, Georgia didn't didn't choke them out when they they should have on that fourth and one. I would have gone for it. 
again with the the stats, although I guess, you know, kept them from needing need, made them need a touchdown in the end. So whatever. Worked out for George. A good win. Pat, how was it? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the best atmospheres I've seen. And, you know, one of the great things about this job, you get to go to a lot of big games. So you see a lot of big atmospheres. But, wow, I mean, it was just uh, – it was a sensory bombardment, it really was. The, the As you mentioned, the light shows and the infrared and all that stuff, but then the noise, too. And I've just – you know, Notre Dame plays in a lot of big atmospheres, but they they were clearly absolutely affected by that. Uh, seven false starts, never seen that before. Yeah, I think, you know, look, Georgia did what it had to do to win the game and really physically wore down Notre Dame, but then failed to put them away. And it looked like, oh, gosh, here's Georgia. They're going to do what they did against Alabama the last two times they played them. They're going to have them beaten and then let them off the mat. Uh, But credit to Notre Dame for not wilting when I think they were physically outmanned, but they hung in there and had the chance uh, at the end of the game there. The, the, The Fromm thing really is interesting to me, Dan, because... He is, he's very, very good. And their game plan, especially in the first half, was so conservative. They did not throw, have him throwing down the field at all. And I don't know whether it's maybe they, they, they had big turnover at receiver. And maybe they're not as trustworthy of their receivers at this point. But I thought they, they, they gave Notre Dame a lot of confidence by refusing to get the ball down the field and allowing Notre Dame to just come up and jump on all the short routes and, uh, uh, and make that difficult for them. So, yeah, I think they've got to let Fromm turn it loose a little bit more going forward. But, you know, I think the game, like, Georgia gets what they need out of it, and Notre Dame does, d- doesn't does lose their playoff chances with this with this uh, loss. Pat, were you at the Louisville-Clemson game in Clemson two, three yes. years ago? I think you were. Yes. To me, that was like one of the most visceral environments that I've ever been in where you could actually feel the crowd changing the game. I don't – that was a few years ago. I don't remember the number of offsides, false starts, whatever. But there were a, there were a bunch in that game. People yep. always ask me like, what's the greatest environment you've ever been in? What's the loudest stadium? What's the coolest place? Just put that in, you know, with your, you know – 20-plus years of, of going to awesome environments and cool games. Put that night in context for me, if you can. Yeah, I mean, I think it was very comparable to that, maybe even a little louder. And the awesome wow. thing about both those places, they're open-air press boxes, so you can really feel it. And, you know, I, I it was it was very comparable to that. And you're right, that game, it, it really did feel, like, oppressive if you were if you were Louisville. And this, I, I'm sure, did for, uh, for Notre Dame as well. Uh, and... You know, Georgia, I think, just has had so much pent up. They, they've played a lot of big games over the decades, but they don't play a lot of big non-conference games, especially intersectional non-conference games. The, the closest comparison anybody could come up with was the 1929 Georgia-Yale game. They're saying this may be the biggest home game since then. So uh, only 90 years going back to when Yale actually mattered. Uh, so people and then were they complained just... about the spread from that game, right? Yeah, was, <laughs> they didn't have good brisket. Brisket was a little, little, little yeah. dry, <laughs> oversmoked, oversmoked. Yeah. Got all excited. Um, but no, I mean it was it was uh, you know so they were just like so jacked for this game for really two years. I would say. I mean that the, this game has been on on Georgia fans' uh, minds to like really turn out for this, and and the school did a great job with everything that they did to, to build it up and changing the lighting of the stadium and all that. That was really cool, and I expect that to be the next big thing. Yes. I thought that was really cool. We haven't seen a lot of new stuff, and, you know, they always talk about how to get 
kids more into it, the, the, the students and all. Now you leave all of these like this is, you know, how they just have like the craziest arms races in these, you know, we've got <laughs> right. we got the best bagel bar. <laughs> barbershop yeah, yeah we yeah. we get our water right in from brooklyn new york and we make yeah barbershop everything that they do now it's gonna be like our light show I mean, this is gonna be like vegas casino acts or vegas you know nightclubs everyone trying to get the light show going but i thought that was that was uh really a cool deal were they doing it all game or is just a few of them uh no it's like three or four times and the, the big one was between the third and fourth quarter and uh i mean that really like yeah, just blew the place out. It was unbelievable. Then it was like it was truly it was like infrared. And the for a minute there, the Georgia helmets looked white. I mean, it was I, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, like all right, Alabama's put in the same lighting, but they haven't played night games yet, so we haven't seen it there. But you're right, Dan. That will be the next thing in the arms race. I guarantee this morning at Clemson, like Thad Turnipseed, the facility guys having a meeting. All right, how are we going to get orange lights in here? You know. <laughs> It's happening. I, I guarantee Alabama's got the lights, but this is their noon game problem. Is that what you're saying? Is that true? They got yeah, the lights. They, yeah, they, oh, they got the lights, but they, you know, they haven't been able to play at night yet, which is what they're <laughs> mad. They're mad about their early kickoffs. So they haven't been able to, you know, blow out the light show. And uh, doesn't that game, Pat, keep Alabama LSU from being at night? Because the. It, oh, because it, it, CBS no. gets one, one prime no, they time get game, two. right? I think they get, they get two. two? Are they still, okay. it's still possible, but it was less likely. But now, if they end up two and four in the standings, like in their rankings, it'll go. To yeah, they'll, yeah. I, I think that between the third and the fourth quarters, like colleges, uh, new like Super Bowl halftime. You know, like <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin right. has jump around. Florida started that great tradition playing Tom Petty. It, it happened. Mississippi State plays. Uh, uh, they play yeah, something. Uh, Journey. That journey uh, song, cowbell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god! Don't How stop believing. Don't stop. Yeah, believing. don't stop yeah. believing. That is a great scene. I yeah. mean, that's. I haven't seen the Florida one yet. I hope to. Um, I've been there for it. The Wisconsin jump around is awesome. A and M does that culty thing where the press box shakes. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like that. That, <laughs> that makes me that uncomfortable. Thing. I like my buildings solid. <laughs> I don't like my buildings moving. I don't care if it's like architecturally sound. Nope. Don't. Don't like it. Um, there's some yeah, companies, I, there's got to only be a couple companies that can do these light shows and they yeah. have just hit the <laughs> yeah. goal. Oh my God. They're like, this yeah. guy was, but yeah, I run a light yeah. show for like big outdoor things. Really? I get a lot of business. Yep. It's really just not that many that hire us all of a sudden, right. like boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting Clemson. Can you do orange LSU? Can you do purple right. or yellow? You know, <laughs> Texas. Can we do burn orange? We've got to have the light show, man. Yeah. Tennessee's like to- wants theirs to be black for the funeral of their season. Oh, okay. No lights. <laughs> lights went out. <laughs> the lights we went are- out just like the color in Sully's face after his weekend bachelor party in Austin. Uh, the, <laughs> He's the- looking, looking a little bit like microwave hangover this morning. The light Neyland Neil- Neil- Stadium is lit by the fire from the volunteer Navy sinking. <laughs> <laughs> They go old school. I, they will. Then there'll I be do, some old school that won't do it, you know. I do have to ask, Pete, when Pete spent Saturday just savaging the hell out of people uh, in, in writing, were you meaner to Jim Harbaugh or to Phil Fulmer? You did call Phil Fulmer a backstabber in the first sentence. So that, that was pretty strong. <laughs> it might have been a persistent backstabber. Um, yeah. Well, I want, I'll say this. You know, Harbaugh earned it Saturday just for like an all-time – big game face plant it's not like you didn't know what wisconsin was going to do you know like and they just completely had no life there were no answers they had nothing going on offense the 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 transition to gaddis 
who I do think generally is a bright young coach who's just been put in a bad spot and they've just been they've just been a disaster on both sides of the ball and it's 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 Harbaugh's fault they're 0-7 as underdogs in his tenure there they've still won no big games Fulmer was more of like a lifetime achievement award it's just sort of like look man if you're not self-aware enough to realize everyone's laughing at you you're an unqualified AD and everyone thinks you're just going to go take over this job and like it's not going to surprise anyone he's going to do it exactly then call a big press conference pat himself on the back give himself a raise and keep going on and i just feel bad for people like Sully or Tennessee fans who are going to have to then sink to a new depth of like trying to microwave Phil Fulmer's career and all those <laughs> faded glories to try to revive Tennessee it's like it's like it's going to they're going to have to go like below the floor of the ocean <laughs> to then bring in a new AD who knows what he's doing, to then hire a coach who's innovative and can help him, and they have to realize some of the realities that, you know, this isn't 1998, and you you can't just, like, roll in and, and you know, square up in the trenches and win the line of scrimmage against Alabama and Georgia. They actually have to, like, modernize. So, yeah, I think they're two separate cases, Pat. Right. I, can't, I can't really Pete, say. Uh, Pete says name. this. He says, you know, it's, you won't want to be so – uh, self-unaware or lack the self-awareness to know everyone's laughing at you. That is how I exist on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> That's right with the podcast. Based yeah, on, right. <laughs> I don't want that awareness. I, okay, Not knowing that they're all laughing at you is the single best trait you can have in life. I literally explain this to my children all the time. Don't give a crap what they say. Also, seizing a powerful job and continually giving yourself raises. Where's the harm here, Pete? <laughs> I think Coach Fulmer well, should get a to the Tennessee football program. Yeah, well, tough is... break for them. Coach yeah. Fulmer needs a, a life lesson book, like yeah. one of those, like you know, yeah. chicken, life lesson, chicken soup I, for your Bank of America. Yeah, like... chicken soup for the for the uh, the co- co- coaches kicking around. So yeah, let's keep that self uh, that lack of self awareness. Uh, yeah, look at that Michigan game was a disaster for Michigan Whew. when Jonathan wow. Taylor ran off tackle left and went whatever it was 114 yards he ran into the end zone like i was like we <laughs> ran that play unbothered by anyone we ran that play in fifth grade pop warner football on the south shore of boston and it didn't work <laughs> it ran, you try to get three yards go that way it's the whole play is uh all right you're our fastest kid go left that was it he went i mean i'm like wow they're really out out scheming them here really out scheming them uh, Michigan, uh, you know, I, I went. I, I, I it's kind of funny because on Twitter I put out a tweet that said, you know, I, I look. I thought Harbaugh would be good. I, I he built up Stanford. He he went to three NFC Championship games. He he got knocked out of one in overtime to the Giants that won the Super Bowl. He got knocked out of another when um, Sherman knocked the ball away from Crabtree, one of the greatest defensive plays I've ever seen, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. And then he goes to the Super Bowl in his third year. Three three times he's in the, in the that's that's his NFL career. I mean, why would you think this guy wouldn't be a great in, in the you know, the whole Michigan man, everything? I thought it would work. It isn't working. I compare him to Chip my my complete I thought I was completely wrong about Chip Kelly. The Michigan fans at the beginning of the day get mad because I'm like comparing Jim Harbaugh to Chip Kelly, like it's an insult. And by the end of the night, the UCLA fans are mad at me for comparing Chip <laughs> Kelly to Jim Harbaugh. Because Harbaugh they both, never they both mad at yeah, you, Dan. Harbaugh like, you know? can't win against an underdog, right? Like he can't win as an. I'm like, okay, I was wrong on the whole thing's wrong, but I blame Jim Harbaugh. But a, a ton of Michigan fans are t- tweeting at me, going, 
oh, we we didn't win 10 games back with Brady Hoke, and we're we're doing pretty good. It's a bad game. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just like they gave up. Like, is that all is that all Michigan wants to be? It's like Yeah, you know, if, if they have good? lowered their expectations that far now, that's that's I, I couldn't startling, believe the know, number of people who defended Jim Harbaugh in the middle. Like I could see you come back on Tuesday and say, look, man, it's you know, it's not that bad. And it isn't. He wins a lot of games. But like they're just not they're just not in the they're they're not doing anything. They're just they just kind of exist. It's a good, solid program. And they got good, great stadium and great tradition and great fight song and great helmet. And they can beat a lot of good teams. They get great recruits, but they it just got punked by Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is not Ohio State, and Wisconsin is not Notre Dame, or usually isn't. Or, you know, when they play Florida, whoever else they're going to have to play sometime down south. It, I just thought this was the this was the loss I thought would really rattle Michigan fan with Harbaugh. And it certainly, I'm sure, did with some portion of it, but probably not. Probably not all of them. I, I didn't get a ton of Michigan fan, like, blowback from that column. I think that was the game that kind of defeated them. Like, that was the game that sort of crushed their souls and their hope. Um <laughs> I got a few people saying, well, is Michigan that good of a job anymore? It's like, yeah, it's a pretty good job. You know, look, it's not yeah. the 60s populations moved and changed, but that's a that's a pretty prime job. You you need to be in contention to win your league when you're at Michigan. Like it's a lot is set up there for you to do well. You can go get a great quarterback like, say, Tom Brady from Northern California. You can you know, you can you have a big national brand. You have an elite academic institution. You have awesome history tradition. It's still the winningest program. So I. I didn't buy that at all. I think that's I think that's garbage. I think that's garbage. So Sully just uh, pings us here and says Boise State now is the all time winningest by percentage, and is the all time winningest program, which no doubt will light a Michigan fan's hair on fire. Okay, but Pat, you and I talked about this the other day when Pat was in Detroit and we went out drinking. Yes. I know you guys, yeah. podcast listeners, would be surprised to know that that's what we gasoline alley, baby. Yeah, I went to the Gustaline Alley in Royal Oak, Michigan. Overserved a little. Not too bad. A little though. bit. They did a good job. Surprising. Eh, yeah. Well, we were because we were having this this debate, but like this is the, the winningest program of all time. I, college football records crack me up. Like all these national titles and stuff from 1932. And, you know, if you look at the wins that somehow the NCA recognizes as actual victories in their rule book. <laughs> It'll be like Michigan defeats the Detroit Athletic Club. Michigan defeats Ypsilanti High School. Michigan defeats the Cleveland Athletic Club. They used to, in the early 1900s, invite groups to campus, teach them how to play football for a day, and then (laughs) then, play the game. And and then then they, of course, 68 to nothing. They would win. Yet somehow this victory counts. Now, I don't. (laughs) How does this count? As far as I'm yeah. concerned, there is no football before like 1970, at least until integration. Like, <laughs> I was watching, like, it, 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 I don't care what happened back then. You, this is not college football. It was something, you know, great guys play. There, there were some great athletes and all that, but give me a break. Like, we, you, you weren't playing black players. Like, I watch these <laughs> SEC stories and it's always like, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> we got, there's like a bunch of gold guys on there. Like, well, we were just a bunch of 148-pound farm boys, and <laughs> Coach Vaught coached us up, and we somehow we were the best team in the country.
country. You know, John okay. Ed Smith the yeah. third. Yeah, I'm like, okay, great for you. Congrats for you yeah. and the guys. You didn't make the rules, but the reason you were the best team in the country is because none of the black players were allowed to go to college. That's right. Come on, man. Talk about lacking yeah. self awareness. Uh, like, yes, the okay. Ole Miss National Championships, the like Arkansas 1963 National Champion. Yeah, oh my! Let's see what was what was the what was the difference? The there? SWAC yeah. would have killed you. Grambling <laughs> would have killed you. Walter Payton, Eddie Payton, sisters Payton. It didn't matter. <laughs> Give me a break. Well, we got eleven. You don't have those. You you can count those as whatever you want to count them as. That's fine. This is the thing. I don't know. Boise State is a better football program than Michigan. How about you know, that? There we go. That's that's I what mean, we need to to they're more to relevant. The bee, I don't know. The B in their blue blood bonnet. Play them. Uh, it's play them. I mean, really play them. If you they're if, at you least know, like, fun. Like so, when you watch Boise, you know you're going to watch a show. When you watch Michigan, it's just like this dreadful, juiceless, no identity slog. You know. This, uh, by the way, right this now. was the beer we drank uh, at the end of the night. Altus, the the traditional Detroit lager. Uh, it's it was- it's no bush light, but uh, you know it, it served the purpose. Pete, you sound Is that enthusiastic. Like Detroit's Milwaukee's best. It was actually brewed I, I, I in, in Wisconsin. It was brewed in Wisconsin. <laughs> the great G Heilman Brewery, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Dan is just constantly angling for like lowbrow brewery sponsorship. So I feel I like this podcast is just I like paid a front. for those. I bought Pat did not open his wallet on those. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. I, I bought the expensive good beer at the, at the previous step. But I my one thing I want to throw in on Michigan here. I said last year when they gave up 62 to Ohio State that maybe Don Brown needs to go. And boy, the Michigan fans were dug in behind him. No. No, no, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. It's an overreaction one game. Well, the next game in their bowl game, they gave up 41 to Florida, which was not a very good offensive team. And now they gave up 35 in a heartbeat to Wisconsin. Then Wisconsin put it in park after that. Their last three games against Power 5 teams, they have given up 62, 41, 35. What is that? 138 points in three games. Uh, I think it's time to to revisit whether or not Don Brown, the the widely acknowledged defensive genius, is still a defensive genius. That's terrible. That is really bad at Michigan. Yeah, and you think about last year, I'm not giving them a pass for Florida, but all their good players quit and went to the draft. Well, they did. Remember. Yes, um, that's true. So, again, does that say more about the program or guys don't want to, like, play one more game? And, look, I'm never going to rip a guy for protecting himself in his career. But it was a – it was just a fleeing. It was like rats fleeing the Titanic. Uh, guys trying to not play in that Michigan bowl game. Look, Don Brown has done some great work. And for a while, he kept Michigan afloat. If you really think about two seasons ago, they right. were winning. They were winning ugly. And he was doing that. I saw him up at Boston College. You know, they they led the nation in defense and went 0-8 in the ACC, which is really hard to do. So I think Don Brown knows what he's doing. The knock on him is that he's a one-trick pony. And if mm-hmm. the press stuff and the pressure stuff doesn't work, like it didn't in Ohio Stadium that day, you're going to get crushed. Very susceptible to those crossing routes we saw. And Ryan Day was smart enough to pick on that poor corner whose name I'm not going to remember, but Pat Pat has a psychotic memory. He's going to remember his name. Was it Brandon yeah. Phillips or something like that? Uh, um, I'm, I'm blanking he's a right year, now. He's a fifth-year senior who shouldn't have yeah. been playing at Michigan, and Ohio State found him early and often, and he was often full sprinting behind a guy running to the end zone. So if the Don Brown thing's interesting because if you look at that Michigan staff, it's not a very good staff. 
I was uh, peeking around yesterday for my thing. It's like, who would get hired off that staff somewhere else? And I mean, can you name someone else on that staff other than Gaddis? And Gaddis would get another job somewhere. He's he's a good coach. He's young. He's he's yeah. thrust in a bad spot with no research. But like, uh, other than the, that, <clears throat> well, the other respective defensive coach already got plucked. That was um, Madison, Madison, who's now at yeah, um, any Ohio, Ohio State. State. I yeah. thought yeah. that and was Al- the yeah. that was the red flare, like the phone yeah. calls coming from within. Like, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Like, I know he got promoted to co-defensive coordinator, and so you know they can explain it away, but. These two schools, they're supposed to not even say each other's name, or at least the Ohio State people are, are don't say, you know, we don't even say the school, don't wear blue, you know, all this stuff. Like, the hatred is supposed to be so deep, and he's at Michigan since 2011 and has been with the Harbaugh's forever. He worked for John Harbaugh, mm-hmm. worked for Jim Harbaugh, you know, and this is, yeah. and he goes, oh, I'm going to Ohio State. Like, what? Well, and Al Washington went with him, Dan. Don't forget the linebacker. There you coach, go. Yeah. Who's from Ohio. He'd been at Cincinnati. He left BC to go there. And it's 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 saying something that not only did did those two guys go, but like I don't really know if they adequately replaced them. Ohio State is very much winning the Midwest in recruiting right now, and I don't think this can be understated. We talked about it in some earlier editions of the pod. The actual recruiting rankings aren't great, but if you talk to people really dialed in in the Midwest scene, they really feel like Ryan Day has created some distance. And it says that about Madison for the last years of his career. He goes with a guy who was a GA on his staff when he was at Florida, Ryan Day, over Harbaugh. Like, I can't imagine working for Jim Harbaugh day-to-day is a sane or pleasant experience. And Don Brown was floating out some overtures last year trying to get out of there. The problem is he's he's golden handcuffed a little bit. I think he makes $1.5 which is, puts him in the top seven DCs. There aren't a whole lot of places he can uh, he can really go. But, yeah, there's uh, – there's it's 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 interesting there. I'll tell you that. It's uh, – that, that I, I said, it's the most compelling program in college football right now. Like, it's just what, how are they going to handle it? What are they going to do, you know? Rutgers shows up on Saturday for uh, a pair of Tylenol in uh, in red to help the uh, to help deal with it. So at least you got that going for it. Then Iowa and I re- Iowa visits and that that really that's that's yeah. like a I mean if that goes bad uh, yeah then that, it's really bad yeah all of a sudden the Iowa game at at, at the end of the month or early October whatever that yeah, it's the end of September becomes uh becomes a big one quick one here uh, LSU they rolled over Vanderbilt but the the really the really great victory came, and we have discussed this many times. All right, LSU, they, they, they're they at Vanderbilt Stadium there. At some point in the second quarter, the second quarter, guys, Vanderbilt Stadium ran out of beer. LSU fans. Wow, they did it. They drank <laughs> the stadium dry. Now, these college stadiums, are str- they, they're still getting up to speed. Like, I don't think – like Saints fan and and LSU fan, pretty much Saints fans have never drank out drank a an NFL stadium. Like it's just that's just not happening. But the, so there's a little there's a little room for, but they drank it dry. They ran out of of beer. It kind of reminds me of when Papa John's bowl, the Papa John's bowl, ran out of Papa John's pizza. <laughs> that was just a lack of planning, uh, an all timer. But finally, the the good people at Vanderbilt calling an audible better than their coaching staff get a a beer truck to show up on the concourse and the fans uh, erupt in cheers as the beer truck and the beer truck guy got a standing ovation. Uh, 
I hope uh, all the beat it, writers so. immediately went and covered that instead of the awful game that was playing out in front of them. <laughs> no one really cares who played left guard for LSU. A beer truck came and saved the day in Nashville. I mean, you know how many hangovers they had to chase? I think that was an 11 a.m. kick. That's vital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't even no. take halftime, man. But good job on Vandy. Seeing the problem coming. And get yeah. the beer truck. Yeah. And so, yeah, they rolled it up and place went crazy. So, That's, see, that the LSU fans now have set the bar so high for themselves mm-hmm. about, you know, we've got to, we've got to drain everywhere we go. Uh, that's yeah. a hell of a, that's, that's a lot of pressure. pressure to live up to. All right. One last one before we, uh, we get going here. Well, maybe a couple more. We'll see. Cal and Old Miss played in a game that is just cl- classic. I'm surprised each state's legislator didn't ban them playing each other. <laughs> <laughs> How did this even happen? <laughs> Cal versus Ole Miss. All right. I'm surprised there. Yeah. An act of the governor said, no, we're not, we're boycotting your state and your state, your state's terrible. Our state's two uh, incredible things happened in this game. One, the, <laughs> the announcer or the uh, broadcast overheard an Ole Miss fan screaming at the Cal team. It's, I mean, we've heard pretty much everything yelled at opposing teams through the years. <laughs> F you, you communist mother effer. <laughs> You've been watching too much Fox News. <laughs> if you're all screaming at California, Dan, every one of them. 19-year-old <laughs> football players. <laughs> We're going to beat those communists. <laughs> I loved it. I loved yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I'll teach uh, you for your left-wing politics. All right. <laughs> And I guarantee it would be just the same if they go to, I mean, can only imagine what gets said. Is this a home and home? Did they already do the first one? I don't know what. They did, I think. Oh, yeah, man. I think, I think they, they did it out at Cal. Last year. Years All right. ago. Uh, these two will yeah. never meet again, I don't believe. Um, no. Anyway, 28-20 <laughs> at the end. Ole Miss is driving. They, they uh, Plumley, their quarterback, throws it to uh, Elijah Moore right at the goal line. The feeder in the end zone. The ball is, yeah, I kind of think he didn't make it. But I don't think he made it. It was no. really close. The Pac-12 officials just don't stop it. No video review. And Ole Miss is stuck trying to run like a uh, – because they got seven seconds left. They got no timeouts. They got no play. They try to run like a QB sneak. They actually did pretty good getting the ball off considering the chaos. Okay. I mean, come on. Like, we stop games for five freaking minutes to see oh. it, whether it's second and four or second and five in the middle of the first quarter. Is his toe out? Is out? Uh, in the last play of the game, you don't call timeout. You don't stop the play to check. I don't think he made it, but uh, you know that, that that's some. That you got you could be chapped. Those communists came down there and took it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Karl Mark Mark screw job by the zebras. Absolutely no. They, yeah, I was I was stunned. And I, you know, Ole Miss didn't have they didn't have a timeout to to call to to force the issue. And they sure didn't have time to sit there and wait for replay. They had to get up and run the next play. There was, I mean, literally the last play of the game. There's like eight seconds left, seven, six. You know, they had to get the thing off. And it was a hell of a drive by true freshman backup quarterback who came in and let him down there. Uh, and then he got, he got stuffed on the sneak. But that, that play was certainly close enough to be reviewed after watching, I don't know how many reviews in Notre Dame, Georgia, that didn't need to be reviewed that you could see by the naked eye from where I was sitting what the result of the play should have been. Uh, that was stunning that that didn't get reviewed to me, but that was a crazy, crazy ending. And and yes, the the red menace, the commies from the Bay Area, 
are undefeated. Watch out. Workers of the world unite. Yes, the red state goes to a red state and wins. Um, <laughs> two things out of this game. One, that Ole Miss's backup quarterback is named John Reese Plumley, which is probably the most SEC name in the history of SEC quarterback names. The second is the like hilariously pandering Ole Miss statement by the athletic director to appease their pissed off fans, which I thought their interim athletic director is a guy named Keith Carter. And he put this out on Twitter just to like stoke the fire. We are extremely disappointed with the officiating at the end of the game and are expecting a full explanation from the Pac-12. So they're hitting all the hot pinks, like Pac-12 officiating, not us, regarding the call and subsequent non-review of the third down play. We feel strongly that the review, uh, the play should have been reviewed by the Pac-12 officials in the replay Mm. booth. Even if the play didn't result in a touchdown, the spot of the ball on fourth down was questionable. That's like... The same guy who wrote all of, like, Hugh Freeze's propaganda and uh, Ross Bork, Bjork's propaganda before he hightailed it out of there, that guy must have written that statement because it was like, it was like push all the buttons that will anger, you know, that will get our fan base going, oh, the Pac-12, their officials stink. I just cracked up when I saw, like, I was like, who's this guy on Twitter with a, you know, with a statement about the old Miss game? I was like, oh, it's the AD. I was like, oh, he's they, pandering to their fan yeah. base. Hey, he used How to play delightfully there. predictable. One of the rare good basketball players at Ole Miss back in the 90s, Keith Carter. Oh. Pac-12 communist steel game. <laughs> there you go. States That's rights exactly loving it. Ole Miss fans. We go yeah. to Tammy yeah. Laherne yeah. for her take on it. Tammy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need these agitators in here. Not calling time yeah. out. Defend uh, America. All right. One thing we, we got to mention. their birth certificates. <laughs> one thing to mention before we go. Auburn, huge win. Uh, yeah. Really controlled the game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think Bo Nix he played pretty well, but I think he was only like twelve or twenty for a hundred. But he didn't, yeah. he he managed the game, did a pretty good job. I thought it was a disappointing effort from A and M, which again had their place all hyped up and just didn't deliver. And uh, hey, <laughs> Coach Malzahn, let's get another extension, baby. Put, <laughs> have Jimmy Sexton call. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you can get those old Auburn guys to go for it. The hot seat no longer the four and zero, baby. Yeah, he got $10 million get more guaranteed by the time the plane had hit New Orleans yeah. on the way home. Yeah. So. <laughs> pretty good pretty good effort there uh, by, by Auburn. All right, we have, uh, well, let's do the Heisman. Let's win the Heisman. Let's do a small sample Heisman. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? Uh, usually they award these things at the end of the year. Uh, well, that's actually how the Heisman works, but we don't. We can't wait. So uh, here is our weekly winners of the Heisman, Pat Forty. Who wins the Heisman? Small sample Heisman this week. I uh, got to go with DTR, the quarterback from uh, UCLA. I mean that <laughs> he had been he had struggled this season. Uh, we we you know we had kind of killed him on the on the podcast. That the team obviously was in disarray. The offense was terrible, and then as we had discussed, you're down. 32 points in the second half, and all of a sudden, he just starts lighting it up and ends up five touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. This was the stat that blew me away. 507 passing yards on only 25 completions. That's 20-plus per completion. So they were just (laughs) hitting bomb after bomb, huge play after huge play. Catch him. And I give the kid credit because, I mean, he was beaten down. He was beaten up. When I saw him in Cincinnati, he was terrible in that game. And, you know, the fans were down on him. So for him to come back and have that monster performance out of nowhere, Pac-12 after dark, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you are my small sample Heisman winner. 
Pete, who wins the Heisman? Well, I probably have been unkind and printed on the podcast to USC. So I want to give the small sample Heisman to Michael Pittman Jr. He had uh, 10 catches, two touchdowns, and uh, 232 receiving yards. Uh, obviously, USC was playing with their with their third-string quarterback, Matt Fink, after uh, Slovis got injured on Friday night. USC upsets Utah 30-23. to Pittman, I mean, look, Fink was just chucking jump balls, and Pittman was grabbing them, and it was fun to watch. I mean, it was nice to see the Coliseum have a little life. I don't really think anything's going to change in the big picture for Clay Helton unless he wins at least one of the next two games or both of the next two games. But but Pittman was awesome. Like, what a collection of skill and talent they have there. And it was a little bit of a reminder of what, like, USC can be again. All right, my small sample Heisman is going to go to Matthew Sexton, senior wide receiver at Eastern Michigan. Oh, that's a good, <laughs> good one. He caught two passes for 16 yards. He had two rushes for four yards. But forget all that. 18 seconds left. The EMU Eagles are trailing mighty Central Connecticut, 29-28. Central is punting from midfield. All they got to do is kick it. Pretty much got the big upset, which would have been a huge win for Central Connecticut. I I don't know what division that is. Instead, Sexton swoops in, blocks the punt. The ball caroms off the turf, that great gray turf. I love Eastern (laughs) Michigan decided, let's play on, let's make it look like a blacktop or like... (laughs) Make everyone adjust concrete. your TV. We're playing on concrete. Playing on concrete in Ypsilanti, man. We're so mean. We're the EMU. <laughs> he catches the ball and runs it in 30 yards for the touchdown. 10 seconds left for the game winner. He blocked and recovered a kick for a game winner. It was almost a walk-off. I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone blocking and then scoring. We had, uh, was it Jalen Watts Jackson from Michigan State a mm-hmm. few years ago, scored the, the touchdown yeah. against Michigan. Another faulty Jim Harbaugh coaching decision when he, Sent all his guys down on gunner routes and stuff um, instead of max protect. But uh, I got to slip in a Harbaugh bash, I think, at all times. <laughs> Great job by by uh, Matthew Sexton. I bet you never thought you'd have your name attached to the Heisman Trophy. But here you go. You won mine. EMU, 3-1. and one. Good season continues. They beat Illinois. All right. Uh, we've said a lot of mean things. We always say a lot of mean things. That's why you listen. That's why we do this. If we're not allowed to, we wouldn't do it. We're mean people, but we can, we do have sensitive hearts at times. So let's do this. Pat, say something nice. Um, Okay. I'm going to say something nice about the San Jose state Mm. Spartans and also use them as a vehicle to say something mean, but (laughs) let's get the nice out of the way here. Spartans have been a terrible program for most of their existence. And certainly for the last six, seven years, their last winning season was in 2012 Last year, they were 1-11. The year before that, they were 2-11. and And then they roll into Fayetteville Saturday night after losing by 18 points to Tulsa and beat Arkansas. Really controlled the whole game. Nearly gave it away at the end, but then pulled it out. They win 31-24. to And that gives me a chance to say how terrible the Chad Morris era has been at Arkansas because in his – Whopping 16 games there as a coach in which his record is uh, 4-12. and 12. He has now lost to San Jose, Colorado State last year, and Colorado State went 3-9, and nine, and North Texas. Woo, pig, you're in trouble. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in and help you out on this. I have been against Chad Morris ever since 
last year when he suspended those two players <laughs> for for getting caught flirting with the Mississippi State dance team yeah. before a game. Chad Morris doesn't believe in love. <laughs> Chad Morris has no love in his heart. He's against that. He suspended him. Your program stinks. The fact they got anybody, let alone a Mississippi dance team member, who I'm sure is not lacking for opportunities to have someone buy them dinner, to talk to them. <laughs> Terrible. Bring back Petrino. He loves, he's all about love. He doesn't mind people. We know that. He'll hit on inappropriate people at the wrong time. He'll give him jobs after he hits manager. on him. Hell yeah. We're going to. Wait, you two were talking to Mississippi State dance team? They got a friend? <laughs> Chad Morris, you deserve to lose because of what you did last year. This is karma. <laughs> Love will find a way. Pete, say something nice. I'm going to say something nice about SMU. The fact that I was Googling yeah. at like 2.15 in the morning last night, the last time SMU was ranked, I really didn't get an answer, to be honest, and then I gave up. They are – and then that UCLA game went off the rails, so I wrote about that. They are 4-0. and They won the Iron Skillet from TCU with a 41-38 oh, victory one. in Eamon Carter Stadium yesterday. The Ponies are back. They had great retro uniforms. You guys see those uniforms? Dallas in the in the helmet logo, clearly not. They were awesome. Yeah, I, I, college football's a little more fun with SMU. It, it opens all these windows for all the great corruption they've had over the years. Camaros for Eric Dickerson, and just like what a like, why isn't there a great college power in Dallas? You know, if any city deserves a major college football power, especially a corrupt one, it's uh, it's Dallas, <laughs> Texas. So. SMU, Sonny Dykes, we welcome you back. Uh, you've taken all these transfers. You kind of gummed it up a little bit. A little bit of a similar model Willie Fritz has used. It, we should say something slightly nice about him, too, because they had a really fun win on Thursday night the, with a fake Neal play against Houston. So, yeah, the AAC is rising, but we're happy to have, uh, we're happy to have the ponies back. Love the, love the threads. I love the iron skillet because I just feel like they're, they've, this morning – Sunday morning, they make up a nice, like, brisket hash in that thing. <laughs> like, you got to cook out of it, right? I think so. This oh, is Texas. You give me a skip. If you don't, what good yeah, is like it? You got to use of, it like the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, drink out of Stanley Cup. You got to cook on the iron yeah. skillet. Texans know what to do with a skillet. Yeah. Let's cook. Yeah. yeah, love that award. Maybe that Shane is, Michelle uh, is cooking some eggs over easy right now as we tape this podcast on Sunday morning. All right. I, my, I am saying something nice about the unknown member of the University of Arizona Athletic Department, uh, social media team who I think <laughs> oh, sent out dude. the funniest uh, and, and somewhat unexplainable tweet last night or uh, Saturday night quote. It has nothing to do with football, but who cares? Quote, this is a weird tweet to type. Now, you know, you're getting something good when an official university is putting this out, but the petting zoo scheduled for the Arizona soccer game tonight just called <laughs> the goats and sheep escaped at a previous event are currently being chased <laughs> Through the streets of Tucson. <laughs> the zoo is still happening. Maybe postponed a bit. This is all we know. Wait, what? <laughs> Goats did they and sheep? Ever, did, did they ever update that? They did. did they, they ended oh yeah. They updated they update with a video of the, the goat and sheep truck pulling up, and they have an upside down smiley face. And then uh they show the kids uh doing the petting. They're out there. Some of the young soccer fans in Tucson are petting the goats, and there's some ducks. 
and uh, sheep, a rabbit. Yeah, they got all sorts rabbit. of stuff. So it all worked out, but um, just a tremendous tweet. And the idea that, that there was someone running through the streets of Tucson trying to find a goat. <laughs> so thank you, Arizona uh, Athletics, for giving me a, an excellent laugh. Of, of all the, you, There's a lot of stuff that comes out on Twitter you can't predict coming. That was one of them. I didn't see it coming. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday to preview uh, week What are we up to? Week four next week? Whatever that week Bye. is. Uh, five. Uh, we'll have more mean and nasty things to say and make fun of people, including ourselves. Talk to you all that. Please, please subscribe. Spread the word to your friends, social media, uh, and leave us nice reviews. We'll talk to you then. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.